Hey everybody, it's Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. It feels like yesterday when we roamed this lost world. A little town amidst a giant city. Quiet, crazy, wild, and sometimes lonely. Never boring, yet at times it was. It was a place where characters roamed and lived bizarre tales. Yet these were not works of mythology, and it's all tattooed on my mind. So sit back, and let me tell you the stories of this ancient city. Let's hang out together on the Stoops of Atlantis. I've always been a misfit amongst misfits. But maybe blessed is another way to put it. I'm not sure. I think it's a double-edged sword. Wake up your sleepy head. Put on some clothes, shake up your bed. You see, when you grew up amongst those stoops of Atlantis, you, you learn how the streets work. Your senses and instincts sharpened. You, you can tell who the sleazebags are by a glance. A sniff like a junkyard dog. You know what streets to walk down or avoid. Where it is okay to go at night. Where to avoid like the plague. How to judge situations by the tone of voices or the way people are using their eyes or behaving. And for the vast majority of my fellow stoopers, with this education came a cynicism, a rough facade. You learned to see the world through dark lenses. Many of my peers ended up in jail or dead, or cops or blue-collar workers, or they went on to do quite well as adults, hardened adults. And I'm not sure why, but although I was educated with those same street survival skills, I refused to become a hardened adult. I mean, hell, in some ways, I've never really grown up. Peter Pan Syndrome, <laughs> you can call it that. And in a world of pirates, it's not easy for some to continue to view the world through the eyes of a child. Not childish, but childlike, playful, idealistic. Eyes always trying to see that Italian ice cup is half full, or the slice of pizza is half left to eat. To see the good even in not-so-good people. Or to see what is special in other misfits around those stoops. The place of the stoops is now my Neverland, a place I fly back to. To see with eyes perhaps coated with the layer of rose water. But I am and I've always been a hopeless romantic. But nonetheless. I hung out with a small group of geeks. We played games of our own inventions. The guys on the avenue were all about sports, real sports, real antics, real crimes. My little crew, we played sports too, usually amongst ourselves, with a ball, softball, street hockey, but we played the way kids do, for fun. There was a one game in Jefferson Park where we accepted the challenge of the Avenue guys and played a softball game against them and held our own. Listen to episode 21 for that fun story. I said it was a misfit amongst misfits. I also fit with groups that misfits usually don't, so not only was I a misfit amongst misfits, I was a fit amongst some of the demographics that misfits and misfits among misfits never fit. Say that ten times fast. I was in my high school gym one morning for shot put practice. 
I was a short freshman who could toss that eight pound ball as far as some guys a few dozen pounds heavier and inches taller. On this particular day, it was a small turnout. It was me and a senior. There's this line on the gym floor that measured the 40 foot mark from the shot put base. I had never hit 40 feet in my short shot putting career. But there are some days when you just have it and you're on. The ball was launching out of my palm as if it weighed three pounds. My form was perfect. And when the ball landed a few inches past that magic mark, Mr. Kraus, my favorite English teacher, hell, my favorite teacher of all time, and the shot put coach, let out a yelp of excitement. And I did it again and again, 40 plus feet. It was an amazing feeling. After the practice, the senior shook my hand and said, hey, this kid is all right. I felt 10 feet tall. A misfit geek was a fit with the jocks that morning. And a lot of it had to do with my form. You see, as a geek, it's in our nature to get obsessed with things, with minutiae. The summer before my freshman year, I had heard about the field team at LaSalle, and I, and I wanted to give it a try. Serendipitously, I found this wooden bowl rolling around Pleasant Avenue one July afternoon. To this day, I have no idea what it was, but it was the exact size as an eight-pound shot. It was light, just a pound or so. But I practiced hundreds and hundreds of times in my backyard, getting the proper form. It was such a common sight, I would even do it in my house without the ball, and my mother would crack up at the sight of me, crouching, palm at my neck, spinning around and letting the imaginary shot put fly. And all that effort paid off. I won a couple of bronze medals for a short guy, that was pretty good, and on good days the ball felt 3 pounds. And other days I got nowhere on those days when it felt like it was 20 pounds. But being me, a guy that has to try everything, I decided that, well, pole vaulting would be next. Now this is a very, very hard sport that takes some cojones. The first thing is you have to get over the fear of holding onto that pole and allowing yourself to fly up into the air, lifting your body, legs to the sky, and pushing off over the bar. Weeks went by and I could barely get up enough to clumsily ride forward and land on the mat. Then one morning, for whatever reason, I grabbed that pole, raced across the gym, planted the pole, and up I went, effortless, feeling my legs rise. Doing, for all practical purposes, a handstand on the pole like some exotic erotic dancer in cheesy gym shorts. Over the bar, and I landed on the mat, and I knew I had taken a big step forward. Immediately, Mr. Burns, the coach, put his arm around me and took me aside. He said, never saw you do that before. You know, Mike, you're a damn good athlete if you just stayed focused. You were the only one who had the javelin form right the first time you tried it. So my ego and sense of self was really inflated. But being a geek who got bored easily, I never stayed with either pole vaulting or javelin. Or shot putting for that matter. I hated having to stay after school to work out. Now a lot of the practice was in the morning. And I didn't mind getting to school really early. But I liked hanging in the empty lunchroom talking about the burgeoning home computer world and sci-fi or D&D with my friends. I was a geek. And after school, I wanted to get home to do geeky things like write games on my VIC-20. But I had shown that a misfit, when focused, can fit anywhere. I was a decent student the first couple of years. A solid B. But my grades improved and I made it into the honors class senior year. Now this misfit, who had been with the mediocre misfits, was now with the smartass misfits and fits. 
and I fit in well with them in my own misfit way. They all thought I was nuts, and I was. I was a writer and I wrote for the school paper and its literary magazine. But even here, I was a misfit amongst the writer misfits. I never went to the meetings. I never hung out with the staff. I just wrote stuff and handed it in and they published it. It was all funny, wacky stuff. You know, it was iconoclastic comedy in a Catholic school. Well, mildly so. I once wrote the satirical piece lampooning a bunch of teachers. No one on the paper, including Mr. Krause, who was the editor, had any issue with it, so it was published. And, well, not all the teachers were amused. I was taken aside by the very stoic Mr. Zablocki, who calmly but firmly wished I had checked with him before facetiously writing he was working on a textbook for a new class called Monotone Made Easy. <laughs> I had another proud moment when the principal quoted my article during an assembly about how you can tell what year a student was in by the levels of dirt and rips on their school sweaters. He was preaching something about self-respect. My grades got much better when I was around the, quote, smarter kids. I was competing with them to get better grades than the smartest kid in the class, and there were times, in fact, on a specific physics test, I recall, when I got the highest grade in the class. And the smart kids liked me and took me into their fold quite readily. I think this had to do with a couple of things. One, I also hung with the dumbass troublemakers and was often their ringleader along with my cousin Joe for the mischief and pranks we would pull. If a desk was tossed out a window or a food fight happened, me and Joe were probably not far away. In fact, we were dead center. Once we caused an aluminum foil ball fight so crazy that a dozen kids, myself included, were pointed out in order to show up after school with a crazy and always inches from mentally exploding Mr. McKinney paced like a wildcat, foam on his lips, his crazy caveman hair seeking an escape at every direction as he verbally bitch-slapped us as we all bit our lips painfully trying not to explode into huge guffaws. Right now I'm trying not to bust into huge guffaws just thinking about it. You see, you Gen Z kids have no idea how much fun us Gen Xers had pulling the rugs out on the floors of obedience and conformity. Try it. Stop bowing so deeply to authority. Find your mischievous rebel. Everybody's talking about the new sound Funny but it's too rock and roll to me I had quite the reputation with my cousin, but oddly, I never got into any serious trouble with the teachers. One time Joe and I were shooting a fire extinguisher out the physics lab window. Across the alley were the brother's residence. And a few minutes later, in marches brother Brandy Maker, however, and he says, Were you two shooting fire extinguishers out that window? No, brother, we were not, we demurred. Yes, you were, I was watching you, he retorted. Oops. Yep, no trouble, not even a detention. Why? Well, simply and honestly, I was white. I was mischievous and an imaginative wild man, but I was never an a-hole. It was done with that Peter Pan attitude of being a crazy, adventurous kid, and it worked. I was a misfit that was beloved, and let me tell you, I knew a few poor misfit souls who were the targets of verbal abuse from both teachers and students, and that was something I hated and never took part in. I was a Peter Pan misfit, and us lost boys had to defend each other. I'll never forget what Mr. Krause wrote in my yearbook senior year. In fact, I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook page. He wrote, Are we not men? We are Devo. Best of luck to one of the truly unique ones. To this day, that makes me smile. I've always been a jack of all trades and master of none. 
I love learning new things and trying new things. I mean, throw me into any group of people and I could hold my own conversation-wise. Well, with one exception, in my teen years, my mouth was all toes when it came to chatting up the girls. So all my interests and knowledge stored in my geek brain didn't really serve me. It seems that girls at that age just have no interest in such things. Once in 8th grade, I got up the nerve to ask a classmate to the prom. And for this Peter Pan geek who was more comfortable playing with Star Wars figures, I wanted to be a player. I mean, I really liked girls. So when she said no, nicely, that she had already said yes to someone else, I walked away dejected. Just did a little to jack up that trade on my survival resume. I often think if she had said yes, it could have done wonders to my confidence with girls that followed. Another girl, off-mentioned on this podcast, I mistakenly thought was into jocks, and I failed with her only way to learn was as big of a geek as I was. Same interests. <laughs> as Dyer Street saying. In 8th grade, the serious kids, the pirates, the ones who had tossed their childlike minds away with their matchbox cars and G.I. Joes, I guess they were well past dressing up for Halloween. Me? I was Darth Vader. In a really cool costume my dad made for me. I marched around the hood with it while a girl in my class said, Mike, go play down the block. Ouch. I mean, what was wrong with dressing up? I mean, did they feel it made you look weak? Weak in a hood where you needed to be tough? Maybe. But my mind didn't work that way. My hood was mostly a disco and rap crowd. Not sure why the Avenue Goombas hated rock. Rock in those days was God, but not around the stoops of Atlantis. So once again, the music that blasted from my radio on my stoop was the soundtrack of Misfits. And let me tell you, I gave two craps. I loved rock, new wave, punk, hard, metal, whatever. And it was played loudly as it should. There was this one Puerto Rican dude on my block who was, was kind of an outlier. He would stop by to chat about music. He loved his disco and rap, but he was also a rockhead. And there were a few other misfits on the block who bowed as deeply as I did to the long-haired dudes with the electric guitars. But you always felt the eyes on you, the dirty looks. Because I had the audacity to be different. I didn't care. I never cared about waving my Peter Pan geek flag. The one place where I fit like a glove was in my own private Neverland of my backyard. I was lucky to have this little island world away from all the pirates. Here I could escape into my mind, alone. It was therapeutic to get away from any sadness or frustrations that may have haunted me at the time. There was a time when I was alone Nowhere to go and no place to call home My only friend was the man in the moon And even sometimes he would go away too Something very illuminating happened to me a few years later, after I had gotten married and moved away. This guy I knew, since we were both a little, approached me on 118th Street when I was visiting my parents. I knew he had gone down the dangerous path of drug dealing. He knew I had made movies, and he wanted to talk to me about his story. So me, always looking for a new opportunity, I said sure. So the next week we met up for a drink, and he regaled me of his exploits. He was a good kid at heart. And he said something to me during that meeting that really struck me. He said, 
You know, Mike, we all thought you were kind of weird when we were kids. But I would see you all those times with your dad, and I was so jealous of you. Another girl thought I lived in a Brady Bunch house. I would catch her trying to peek into my window. And I really liked her, but she kept a safe distance even though I weren't she like me. She confessed because she was dabbling in some minor criminal activity to survive, mostly just numbers, I wouldn't like her if I found out. My home was no Brady Bunch house, but compared to the hell many around those stoops lived in, ours was blessed indeed. I continued to try to see the world with Peter Pan eyes. There are times when the frustrations of career or life can dump a stinking bucket of cynicism over my head. But my inner truth is still highly romantic, funny, and adventurous. I feel young both physically and mentally. And I am. Remember, Peter Pan is no pushover. He cut off Captain Cook's hand. Ultimately, I love people who love to smile. And even though I do battle the grumpies at times myself. But life is too short to waste on old farts. I just seek my lost boys to continue on this grand colorful adventure called life and maybe once in a while travel back in my mind to those stoops of Atlantis. Thanks for listening in to the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate it on whatever app you're using. And you could also leave a message at the Facebook page or contact me at stoopsmail at yahoo.com. Until next time. Mm-hmm.